What's your story? This is Success Stories with Kendra Hall, where inspirational people come to tell their story so that you can write your own. Here's Kendra. Ladies and gentlemen, do we have an interview for you today? I know I've probably said it before, but I really believe that this single conversation, this set of stories from this specific guest could change your life. And on top of that, be sure to stick around to the very end where I have a very special message just for you. All right. Let's get to it. Today's guest is Mel Robbins, a leading voice in modern personal development and transformation, a renowned speaker, former television host and CNN legal analyst, and the author of the international bestseller, The Five Second Rule. Mel's mission in life is to inspire others to become more confident, effective, and fulfilled. Mel's new book, The High Five Habit, Take Control of Your Life with One Simple Habit. It, teaches readers the neuroscience-backed daily ritual that can retrain their brains and revolutionize their lives. Mel, welcome to Success. We are so excited to hear your stories. Kendra Hall, here we go. I know. And you know what? I've been really looking forward. Well, I've been listen, looking forward to this conversation between you and I for years and years and years. Uh, I feel like we've been ships in the night passing each other. I've been admiring your career, your message, and who you are as a woman, period. From a distance, I hope you have felt my love towards you as so many of us who are listening right now and um, have been watching you over the past several years have been cheering for you. So thank you so much for being here. Well, it's reciprocated. I'm always cheering for you too. It's and, awesome to watch you light it up. And I'm excited uh, about your new book coming out in January. Oh gosh. Right. Oh, see? Yes. And I, I feel like we should say this. Mel was so, she's so generous, endorsed my first book, Stories That Stick, was one of the first to endorse my next book, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. And you are an incredible storyteller. So I think that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most is this whole podcast is called Success Stories and it is intended for people to share those stories. And I can't wait to start with yours. Now, I know you have a huge book on its way out at the end of this month. But before we go there, can we go back to the five second rule and the stories there for a minute? Is that okay? Sure. Um, so five second rule, first book, I believe that was your first book, right? Yeah. Self-published. Self-published. Well, yeah. And it was 2 million copies sold of a self-published book. It was like the number one all-time audible self-published book. But I've seen in your notes that you said that it was like a, a failed book launch. And so I really think that, you know, our audience, obviously, they are achievers. They are people who are looking for their next level of success. So to hear from somebody who was like, oh, two million books sold, but it was a failed launch. Can you yeah. can you tell us that story, Mel? Oh, can I ever? Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with all of those accolades, the number one audiobook of the year, 2017, the fifth most read book on Amazon, 2017. Do you know we have not ever made a traditional bestseller list? Mm. And we are not carried in most bookstores. And you want to know something else? 
The High Five Habit, my new book, I'm actually working with a publisher on this one, mm -hmm. uh, except for the audiobook, which I self-published again. Despite the fact that I have sold 2 million books, mm -hmm. despite the success of that book, <laughs> despite the fact that we have pre-sold The High Five Habit in 22 countries, every single big box retailer just said that they would not carry The High Five Habit at Target or Costco or any of the big box stores because, get this, mm. I am not a known author. What? <laughs> I love that you're laughing right now, but I will say that as an author myself, my heart just sank. Like, Mel, how, how? Like, what? All right, so take me back to the moment where yeah, so you heard you that news. Yeah, failed book launch. So, yeah. so I basically decide that I'm going to write this book, The Five Second Rule. Okay, yep. And, and one of the big mistakes that people make when they write a book is they believe that you need a publisher in order to be successful. Yep. And a publisher absolutely will help you. But you have to be a smart business person. And nine times out of 10, what people do, and look, a lot of authors might need the money in order to be able to pay their bills while they're writing. And so the advance is a very attractive thing. Mm -hmm. But as an entrepreneur, it's very important for you to understand that work that you put out there will be out in the world forever. And if you believe in it, you should own it. And if you take an advance, you better understand the math mm -hmm. because an advance is not free money. An advance is something that is paid in advance of sales, mm -hmm. but you have to repay it based on the sales of your book. And the math that they use to calculate the repayment schedule basically means you are making pennies on the dollar. And so when I looked at the math and I thought, I'm building this big speaking reputation. I have clients that buy these books. I know exactly what I want to write. I know what I want the cover to be. I don't want somebody to tell me that. Um, I'm going to self-publish it because I also don't want to be earning pennies on the dollar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I self-published the book. And as I am writing the book, and the book is about to be printed by my printing and publishing partner in self-publishing, I start to follow all the successful writers. And I start to research bestseller campaigns. And I start to understand that there's a whole game associated with this. And the game, for those of you that don't know it, is, and every industry has a game, and, and every industry has an ecosystem, and you can figure it out. It's so cool to be alive right now. But the game is literally from the date that your book goes on sale on a Tuesday, and everybody puts their book on sale on a Tuesday. Always Because Tuesday. the New York Times looks at the on-sale date, and it is measured from a Tuesday to a Tuesday for whatever reason, I don't know. And they measure sales in a singular week. And there's a whole game. Very rich people, CEOs, they buy hundreds of copies, if not tens of thousands of copies, and then distribute it to their employees and call it sales. People hire companies to take pre-sales of books and then filter the pre-sales during the on-sale week through various bookstores and retailers to make it look like the sales are distributed. Like it's a game. That's what it is. 
And the New York Times does not submit what they say the formula is. And it's just a mystery. And so if you've made the list before, you're more likely to make it. If you're a big celebrity, you're more likely to make it. If you are somebody that has the money to engineer books being sold in a certain way during one week window, you're likely to make it. What I didn't know <laughs> is that if you are a self-published author, you will never make it. Like you're not even considered. This is something I didn't know. So for six months, I have paperback versions, galleys, they call mm, them, mm -hmm. of my book. I am shipping cardboard boxes to every speech. At the end of every speech, I am standing at the back of the room with my paper books and a clipboard. And anybody that gives me $20, I will give them a copy of the galley, and then I will mail them a, a hardcover when we get it. This is how you raise that. Like, it's just like, this is what everybody does. So this is what I'm doing it. And on the day that my newsletter or the day that the book went on sale in February of 2017, I literally um, mail out the newsletter list and I had maybe 10,000 people on my newsletter list. I had six speeches booked in seven days all of whom were companies that were going to buy books and then do a book sale with a bookstore. And I'd lined this whole thing up hoping that, you know, by some grace of God, I would be able to thread the needle and sell whatever was required, 20 or 30,000 books. Depends on the week. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the week. Yep. Now, the other thing that has happened during this week is that Tony Robbins has moved his book up six months and suddenly drops his book on the same day that mine is launching. And look, I, I like so many people, I really love Tony's work. He's, he's had a huge impact in terms of my growth and development uh, years ago when I listened to his tapes. Tapes, tapes. But I will tell you, I every other speech I show up at, somebody asked me if I'm his wife. And so there is a special connection that we have. And so the fact that he, and I've never met him. So the fact that all of a sudden my book releases and out of nowhere, the sun is blocked out and everywhere I go, there is his book. It's in every airport. It is in every bookstore. Oh, He's man. on every television program. <laughs> it was literally salt in the wound. And I kept saying, why are you doing this to me, God? Why are mm -hmm. you on all days? There's only two people I would not want to release a book against, Brene Brown and Tony Robbins. Like, <laughs> yes. is she coming next? What? Right. Well, I have worked so hard. When am I going to catch the break? Mm -hmm. You know, I have this story. You talk about stories that I'm the bad news bears, that somehow I roll in with the shitty equipment and the torn uniform, and I don't really belong, and nobody expected me to be there, but I somehow roll in. Like, I have everything is the hard way. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is about three hours into me emailing my newsletter list, people start to email back saying, I tried to buy the book. It's out of stock on Amazon. Mm. And my first, my first reaction is this. Oh, my God. I have sold all 25,000 books. Oh, my God. I'm going to make my money back. This is going to work. This is unbelievable. I've sold all 25,000 books. 
Maybe maybe I'll be the maybe I'll be the Robins this week that that wins once for you know <laughs> oh, like no. maybe 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 this is why this is happening maybe yeah. the universe is trying to show me that I actually am somebody yeah. maybe you know maybe this is like the David and Goliath moment of my life oh, no nope, that's yeah. not at all what happened you see what I know now is that when Amazon suddenly gets a surge on a product that they weren't expecting. And they start running through inventory and they didn't expect to. They turn off supply Mm. to take time to figure out, is the traffic bots? Do we have the inventory? How much have we sold through? What's going on? Not having a publisher was a big problem because I had no way to know what was happening. I had no connection into Amazon. Mm -hmm. And so here I am alone during book launch week, traveling from... Chicago to Vegas to Orlando, speech after speech, seeing Tony Robbins' book everywhere I go and out of stock on Amazon Uh. for the first several weeks. And I want to tell you something. I literally wanted to crawl up in the corner and die. I literally thought the world was out to get me. I thought... I have worked so hard. Why did I schlep all those boxes to every speech? Why did I even write this book? When will the work that I do actually matters? Mm -hmm. Like, I just felt like I just can't catch a break. Why didn't I go with a traditional publisher? Why didn't I know that this wouldn't work out? Why is the book not in bookstores? Why are we not in airports? Like, I just had no idea. I was profoundly naive. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a punch in the face. And I remember a week later, I still did not know that a self-published book would not be recognized. And so I figured, well, you know, with with all these speeches and with the pre-sales, they must like, at least I'll make the top 10, like somebody. and, and, and And for somebody that's unknown, it's important because if you hit that list, then suddenly all the bloggers pay attention and other people start to look at the book. So it's this lift moment that can really help you. It's like a sailboat that is drifting and suddenly the wind picks up. Mm -hmm. So I was coming down the escalator in Salt Lake. I had just landed after giving a speech. It was like, I don't know, nine o'clock at night. I'm exhausted. I've been on the road for a week. The book is still out of stock and I'll never forget this moment. I was with my, that then, business partner at the time, and she looked at her phone, and she turned to me, and she said, we didn't make it. Mm. And she was talking about all the lists. Mm -hmm. And she took her phone, and she threw it across baggage claim at the Salt Lake City Airport, and it smashed to smithereens. And I walked off the escalator. I dragged my suitcase behind me. I walked into the women's bathroom. I sat down on the toilet with my jeans on and started to cry. Mm. And I kind of in that moment just thought, well, that's it. Like, I'm just not going to be successful at this. Like, this is what life is telling me. And for the next couple of weeks, I just kept going. And the way that I picked myself up during that moment has become one of the most important tools that I've developed in life. And I write about it extensively in the new book called The High Five Habit, but the tool is what I call a high five attitude. Mm -hmm. 
There are going to be moments in your life where life punches you in the face. There are going to be moments when you work your ass off and you feel like you're getting handed a raw deal. There are going to be moments where you feel like you are on the outside and you're always looking in. You're looking in at the parties you're not invited to, the circles of cool people that don't include you, the, mm-hmm. like whatever it may be, mm-hmm. the, the marketing machine that won't write about you, the, the big box stores that say you're an unknown. And it's in those moments that you got to know how to pick yourself back up. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was at that moment, sitting on the toilet with my pants on in the Salt Lake City airport that I said something that really has stuck with me from that day forward. And that is this. I said, Mel, there is no way that you've worked this hard and you won't be rewarded. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. just no way. Like you have worked so hard. Mm -hmm. You have for literally nine years clawed your way out of bed. You have clawed your way out of bankruptcy. You have clawed your way out of a drinking problem. You have gotten your family back on track. You have gotten yourself out of debt. You're making a difference in the world. You're teaching people this five-second rule thing. You have pushed through your dyslexia and your ADHD, and you have figured out how to self-publish a book. You literally, you, you will be rewarded. You have to trust that. And then I said this. I said, this is preparing you for something. Mm. There's no other way to look at it. Seeing his face everywhere and somebody <laughs> else's book everywhere, seeing like you, your book out of stock, not getting recognized for your hard work, feeling forgotten. This is preparing you. And you have to anchor down. I said, this is giving me wisdom or a skill or an experience that is going to help me for something amazing that hasn't happened yet. I have to trust that. Mm-hmm. And see, a high five attitude is when you anchor down on optimism. Mm-hmm. It's when you anchor down on faith. It's when you believe that your life is not necessarily something you enjoy, but it's something you learn from every step of the way. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's fair. Doesn't mean that the stuff is 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 like literally something you deserve. But when you flip from the woe is me or the I'm screwed or, you know, it always this or I'm a bad person or I'm unworthy or whatever the the sad story of your life is that you just pound yourself into the ground with. When you flip it and catch yourself and you can Mm -hmm. and you anchor in on optimism. Optimism is the belief that through your efforts and your attitude, you can have a positive impact on what you're facing. And I believe that. Mm -hmm. And when you anchor down on faith and when you start encouraging and supporting and loving yourself through this moment by saying, this moment is preparing me for something extraordinary that hasn't happened yet. And so I kept going. And that's what you have to do. You have to keep going when life tests you. And so for that, literally the next several weeks, I kept going. And the book was basically out of stock. And then the book came back online and literally there were like no sales. Like we lost all the momentum, all the momentum because the podcast, the two or three podcasts I had lined up had already been taped and aired and there was no book to buy. Mm -hmm. Yep. The newsletter had been emailed. There was no book to buy. Mm -hmm. 
The speeches, I had spent all my money printing the books and sending them to Amazon. There were no books for speeches. I had failed. Yeah. And then I was sitting at my desk about a month after the book launched, and I got an email. And it was an email from Audible. And it said, your monthly statement is here. And I thought, monthly statement? What the hell is that? I had forgotten about the audiobook. My gosh. My husband and I had recorded it. He had <laughs> uploaded the files to Amazon through their right. platform ACX. The, like I had completely forgotten there was an audiobook. Oh my gosh. I'm going to cry. I opened up that statement. It was six figures. Wow. I fell out of my freaking chair. We still had a lean on our house at that moment in my life. Mm-hmm from being nearly a million dollars in debt. Audiobooks, holy You see, if I had had a successful hardcover campaign and made the list, I never, ever, ever would have discovered what was actually meant for me. Mm. The fact that my hardcover campaign failed is the reason why the five-second rule became the number one self-published audiobook in the history of audiobooks. All of the demand went to the only thing people could buy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize it. I hadn't even thought about audiobooks, that audiobooks are amazing because there's no print cost. It's just one file. And you can market it over and over and over and over and over again. And so it opened me up to an entirely new business model. You see, something amazing was happening, something extraordinary that I couldn't even imagine. Mm -hmm. I, in the last three years, I have gone on to do an eight-book audio deal for Audible. Oh We've produced four of them already. And so it created a whole new thing. And see, I believe that that is the purpose of your dreams. You should set big goals. You should have big dreams. You should create a, a vision board and you should manifest and you should work every day towards those things, but understand something loud and clear. Your dreams are not meant to be achieved. Your dreams have a particular purpose and the purpose is to pull you through the fears and doubt that holds you back and to get you working towards something. And as you are doing the things that lead you toward your dreams, I promise you, something extraordinary that you can't even imagine is happening in the background. And that is why you need to keep going. Wow, that is, I can't believe we just got to hear that whole story. Uh, I'm, I was with you all the way. I was in the bathroom with you. I hope, I hope that's okay. And, but then that leads me to my next question, because right as you got into that story, you were talking about the new book, The High Five Habit, um, and how it wasn't picked up by any of the big box stores, uh, yeah. because you were too, uh, you weren't, you're not a well-known author, despite everything else that you just shared. So, so let me ask you this. I mean, I would think 
for myself. If that had happened, you know, I had this huge book, self-published, fine, didn't make the list, fine, but look at all these other things that have happened. And in the five, what is it, five years in the meantime, like certainly, certainly I have earned my spot. And then to hear that the big box stores aren't picking you up, what was that moment. I'm sorry I'm bringing you into all of your darkest moments, but I think it's really important as you talk about this high five habit, right? Like this, like how that that focus on optimism, that that understanding of where you are in the story. So when you get that call that you're not in the stores, tell me, were you like, uh, you know what? We've been here before. I'll be fine. Or were you pissed? Um, You know, I actually took out my phone and Did you throw it? it? Oh, dude, I was, was like, 11.30 at night, and you can see it on my Instagram account. I saw it. I'm wearing a, a sweater backwards. Uh, inside, which yeah, I don't I even re- <laughs> Inside, out backwards. I didn't even realize I was. I was like, this is amazing. Maybe she, I'm like, did she just throw the sweater on and she was sitting there in her undergarment? It was, it was so, it was so good. Please share. <laughs> yeah, I literally made the mistake of reading an email before I went to bed. Uh, don't ever do that, right? We know And better. it was an email from my literary agent, Mark Gerald, who said, um, I hate to tell you this, but I think it's important that you know this. Mm. And I scrolled down and Hay House is my publisher. I love working with them. They're yep. incredible. Yep. And um, it was a chain email from Hay House where they were saying that because I'm unknown, Target and uh, Costco and all the big box stores are not going to carry me. And I'll tell you, my heart sank. I literally transported back to being on the tennis team when one of the more popular girls on the team who was an upperclassman held a sleepover. And I was the only one of um, the girls in my grade on the team who wasn't invited to it. Mm. And I love Target. Like, I shop there all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I literally... I I had always dreamt that I'd walk in there someday and one of my books would be in there. And so it was literally like just a pure rejection from somebody that you really admire. Mm -hmm. And it felt like I, you know, I didn't know why. Like, I just didn't know why. And it, it, it like went into that old story of the bad news bears. I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough for the people I admire. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said it didn't sting. It it hurt. Mm-hmm. And it also confirmed this thing that I don't want to believe, which is that I don't belong in the places I'd like to see myself. And it was interesting because I literally taped this whole moment, uh, sharing it very viscerally with everybody that follows me. And it's funny because my whole... Um, Everybody that followed me, they started writing really cute things like, you can't put baby in a box, you know, like that kind of thing. Like, you don't belong in a big box store. And you're like, I know, but I wanted to be there. Yeah. And I know that I don't belong there. And I know that I'm not mass market. And I know that I'm a very untraditional kind of entrepreneur and um, author, but it still hurt. And I think that... The gift of the high five habit and discovering it and practicing it and implementing it it into my life is that I'm able to allow myself the grace of feeling that rejection and that kind of sadness and heartbreak. And I don't stay there. 
So I honor the feeling, which is important, but I don't allow myself to stay in a down place because I do believe with all of my heart that absolutely everything is preparing you for something else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was a reminder in that moment that really the mission that I'm on is not about big box stores. It's Mm -hmm. not even about selling a book. Right. It's really about making an impact and getting a very simple idea out into the world in the hopes that it will be a vehicle to crack something open inside of people that feel that they're in a dark place and show them a simple way to let the light back in. And the second that I get my focus on the external stuff, what stores, how many books you sell, whether or not you make a list, all that stuff that honestly doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. What matters really is why you're doing something and staying focused on that. Um, you know, good ideas take time to come to life. I've, I've been trying to write a book for four years. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in March of 2020, uh, when the pandemic hit, I was under contract with a different publisher on a different book. And they canceled the contract because I was a year late in delivering a manuscript because I honestly had nothing to write. I didn't know what to write. Mm-hmm. And this high five habit came to me in the beginning of April 2020. And it's not like I sat down and said, okay, I got the five second rule. I better find a five. You're like, that's not what this was about. <laughs> right. I think for entrepreneurs, it's really important to understand something. Life changing ideas take time, mm-hmm. and they have a soul and a heartbeat of their own. And they will reveal themselves when they're ready. You doing the work is certainly preparing the runway and cooking the idea, but it will arrive when it's ready. Mm -hmm. And it will probably be very different than what you thought it was gonna be. I mean, every entrepreneur will tell you the business plan that they wrote looks nothing like the business that got built. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I think it's interesting even now. So we're recording this, uh, what is it, mid-September. It'll air late September, right at the release of the High Five Habit. And and I think even outside of of book writing or entrepreneurship that that we're in this like a weird re-entry where, where the, there's all these high hopes and then these disappointments, like the, mm-hmm. the expectations of, of what life will be. And then these, these big setbacks and, and this high five attitude, this, this faith, this trust, I always think of it as the, the middle of the story. Mm. So, so for example, we had a, we had a setback in our home. My daughter is finally old enough to, we're in New York City. Uh, my daughter's been dancing at the ballet studio that puts on the mm. big nutcracker um, oh, cool. at Lincoln Center. She's a little girl. She's about to turn nine. And, but this, she's been invited back year over year. And this is the year where she's eligible to audition to be an angel in the nutcracker. And it is, it was a huge deal. Uh, so she's been preparing for this. I've been excited. We've all been 
And then it was released in the New York Times. And then we got an email that children under 12 will not be eligible to be in mm. the Nutcracker because of vaccination yeah. status. Yeah. And so there, there's this like expectation of, you know, and she's been, and so when I had to break the news to her, an eight-year-old, she's about to turn nine, but an eight-year-old, I was hoping that it was me, like a mother, and you know, as a mom, like I was impressing this on her, like, it's going to be amazing. And that she didn't really care about being <laughs> the Nutcracker. It would have really paid off for me, but that wasn't the case. And she was in the stall at Salt Lake City Airport, sitting on yeah. the toilet with her pants on, out of her mind, devastated, angry, hopeless, you know? And so, and so in this moment, and so we're all going to see these moments, I think right now. Um, and that suspension and intention of, of hope and optimism of I'm learning something else right here. This is something, something else is coming of that. Now, that's a hard thing to talk to an eight-year-old about, but it's equally as difficult for an adult to Well, to it's harder that. for the eight-year-old to accept it because they don't have the life experience that we do. Yeah. Yep. So yep. this, this is the biggest devastation of her life. And so that's why it does feel like that. And it's appropriate that it feels like that because she's only been on the planet for eight years. Like what she, yeah. Wisdom comes from experience. Well, and we, so we'll see. I mean, it's, it's going to be a long, it'll be a long, but again, I, I actually think it's a really good thing for our kids. And I can say that even having had the heartbreak of watching in particular for our oldest, her entire mm. college experience implode. I, uh, and same thing with our middle one. But aside from losing someone you love suddenly, mm-hmm. how else would you learn that the things that you cherish most can be taken away? Yep. So I think that there is a resilience and a, a perspective, a particularly for a generation that has basically had a lot handed to them, um, that is priceless. Mm-hmm. Well, and even even as you, what made me think of it is you were thinking about the rewards of of being on the list of this of that, and then realizing that actually the reward is something much different. And and I hope my hope is for my daughter. Ultimately, we gave her the choice if she wanted to continue dancing, if it was all about the nutcracker, all about making the list, right? In in her in her world. And uh my husband actually shared a story with her about him giving up on a dream when it got really hard. Um he took her to dessert. And she came home and a couple of days later I said, "Have you made a decision about ballet?" She's like, "I'm going to stick with it because I think It'll make me a better dancer so that when mm. I am on the stage, I can do a really good job. And I was like, mm. all right. Like she just taught me, she taught me something. It was, but I, I do think that that all of this, right? You're, you, you thinking the rewards were this, this, you thinking the rewards being in, in, in target. I mean, I can, I've never seen a book on the shelf. You, you think of all these things that you dream of and when they don't come true, what do you do with it? So, you know, and look, I have a really thick skin because I yeah. spent four years walking into bookstores and never being able to find the book I wrote. Oh. <laughs> I can't believe that. That's so, isn't it? Isn't it? So please, everyone who, the millions of people who are probably listening to this podcast, who have read your book, think about that. Have you ever, she's ever seen it on a bookshelf? I mean, Oh, it's incredible. I can't, it's just, and so inspiring. Um, 
Yeah, I actually have to thank Barnes and Noble because they carried it. <laughs> yeah, right. Thank God. Yeah, when, thank when you, Barnes did Bar- and Noble. Remember, remember, uh, remember the what was it? You've got mail, and it was about and Barnes and Noble yes. was the big bad bookstore. Now we're like, we love you. Yes, so, thank so, you. so Matt, let's talk about the high five habit. What is this? How did it oh start? God. I, I mean, I've been able to read through it, and I'm like, this is simple and brilliant. I mean. Brilliant. This simple, like I, I. It is unbelievable, honestly. Like if you like the five, first of all, yes, I, yes. I'm going to tell you this. The five second rule has gone on to change millions of people's lives. Never in a million years did I think something so simple that I created at a rock bottom moment would not only help people with PTSD and anxiety, but we know of more than 111 people who have stopped themselves from attempting suicide by counting backwards five, four, three, two, one. Mm. And even knowing all of that, I'm going to go on record and say the high five habit is the most profound thing I've ever discovered in my entire life. It will have an even greater impact than the five second rule has on your life because the five second rule helps you find courage and confidence and take action in those moments when you're about to stop yourself. It helps you get things done. It helps you take the actions that change your life. The high five habit changes you mm-hmm. at your core. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole different level of transformation. So the backdrop of this, because when you hear this, just like the five second rule, you're going to think this sounds ridiculous and cheesy and stupid and all those things And so let me just tell you the backdrop. So, you know, I mentioned that I uh, discovered it in April of 2020. Yep. And um, we all know the moment that we knew, holy cow, my whole life is about to turn upside down because of COVID. Do you remember when it happened for you? Oh, I, there were, it was, I remember having a head start. You probably did too. Uh, on everybody else, because I got the first call of out of an abundance of caution, we're postponing this event. It was February 27th. And then it just over the next because I think everybody else kind of figured it out. What was it? March 15th when Broadway yep. shut down. But I had two weeks before that where I was just watching everything I had worked for, everything I had dreamed of, everything, everything uh, evaporate to the point where we had post-its on our wall of how much money we could spend each day uh, in our apartment in Manhattan. And also we were very alone in it. You probably felt this too, because nobody else had figured it out quite like in a real way. And I remember a girlfriend of mine calling me the day after Broadway shut down and she, she lived in Arizona and she's in medical sales. And she called and said, Hey, Kendra, are you, are you traveling anymore? And I was like, no. She's like, yeah, they've shut us out of the hospitals. And selfishly, I can say this to you. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like, I'm not the only one who is right, just like right, watching right. everything right, disappear. So, right. and then there were various other moments of like throwing things in. And I found myself alone, sobbing in Central Park. I mean, screaming up at the yeah. sky. Yeah, it was ugly. It was. Every, it, everybody has had that moment. And whether it was an email from work saying you're not traveling or the office is closed or you can't go visit your grandparents or yep, yep. worried about your, like whatever it was. Graduation. Yeah. Yep, graduate, all like all of it. And so it was the beginning of April when I hit the wall. Mm. 
By that point, it had been three weeks of quarantine and I had been, my show had been canceled. I'd been fired from my dream job as a daytime talk show host. Mm -hmm. Like you, I was watching every speech I had booked for a year disappear. The publisher uh, demanded that I return an advance that I'd already spent. Uh, There were no PPP loans yet. So I had no idea how we were going to make payroll. Mm -hmm. My kids who had just had college and high school imploded, were in grief and anxiety and distress. And I woke up one morning and I felt the weight of the world on my shoulders, just like you did. Mm. I felt like I cannot handle one more thing happening. I used the five second rule, five, four, three, two, one. I dragged myself out of bed. I made my bed so I wouldn't climb back into it. Mm -hmm. I then walked to the bathroom. I'm brushing my teeth. And I all of a sudden catch a glimpse of the woman in the mirror. And I think, oh, my God. You look like hell. (laughs) And the woman I saw in the mirror was beaten down and exhausted, stressed, depleted, I started picking her apart, the dark circles under her eyes, the saggy neck, one boob is hanging lower than the other, the gray hair is coming in. And as soon as your thoughts go negative, they just take you down the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm drifting onto the day and I'm thinking, why did I get up so late? I forgot to send that email. I got eight minutes to get it to the Zoom call. I haven't even walked the dog yet. And I could just feel the heaviness hitting me. Now, here's what's interesting. If you had walked into the bathroom that morning, Kendra, I would have spun on a dime. I would have been like, Kendra, oh, come on, honey. I know every speech has been canceled. I know that you're terrified. I know that you've got your budget on a post-it note. I know that you're screaming at the at the sky in Central Park. But honey, if anyone can handle this, it's you. Mm-hmm. Pull yeah, yourself I- up. Come on, get back out there. Yeah, I could have done that for you, mm-hmm. but standing there alone in my bathroom that morning, feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders, I couldn't think of a damn thing to say. And frankly, I don't think it would have worked because I wouldn't have believed it. It didn't match how I felt. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I don't even know why I did it, but standing there in my bathroom in my underwear, I raised my hand to my tired reflection And I gave the woman in the mirror a high five Mm -hmm. because she needed it. And look, it's not like lightning struck. I mean, the heavens didn't open. The angel's like, oh, that's not (laughs) what happened. Not at all, actually. Right. But I'll tell you what did happen. As my hand hit the mirror, I laughed out loud because it's so cheesy and pathetic, right? Standing there without a freaking bra on high five of myself. (laughs) But then my shoulders dropped and my chin lifted and I didn't even say anything. I kind of felt this energy that felt like, oh, for God's sakes, will you pull it together and just get out there and deal with it? Like Mm -hmm. it was sort of like that get your head back in the game kind of energy. Mm -hmm. And that was that. It was the second morning when everything changed. So the second morning I wake up, same overwhelm, same defeat, same everything. Mm -hmm. Just drag myself out of bed, five, four, three, two, one. I make my bed. 
And as I was walking to the bathroom, I felt something that I had never felt ever before. You know how if you're about to meet somebody you really like at a cafe, the moment before you walk in and you're going to see somebody you like, how do you feel? Like a little excited, a little nervous. Yeah, yeah. I actually felt that about the thought of walking into the bathroom and seeing Mel Robbins, the human being. I'm going to be 53 this year. I have never, ever felt excited about seeing me, the person. I've felt excited about seeing an outfit or maybe what my eyeshadow looked like. But the human being, Mel Robbins? Never. And as I walked into the bathroom this morning, I sort of had this really weird experience because I was standing there brushing my teeth and I realized that there are two of us in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. There's me holding the toothbrush, brushing my teeth. And then there's this human being in the mirror who needs me who I've been ignoring and criticizing. And she's been trying so hard and she's been waiting for me to actually stop and realize that she's there. And it was this really intense and intimate moment that made me kind of sad mm -hmm. because, you know, I know we talk a lot about morning routines, right? Right. And we do the meditation and we do the exercise and we journal and we do all this shit. But every single one of us has forgotten about the habit that we actually have, which is to stand before ourselves and pick ourselves apart or to ignore ourselves. They ignore us all together. And women in particular, 91% of women do not like how they look. And so I stood there. And there's this interesting research that I think comes out of Harvard. It's pretty recent that shows that if you take an intentional moment of reflection every morning and you think about how you're going to show up as a leader, it changes your level of focus and productivity and it changes how you show up and it changes your ability to impact the people that you're leading. And I've often used that piece of research to get myself centered about what I'm going to do for everybody else. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. That morning, I looked at the woman in the mirror and I thought, how am I going to show up today for her? And it's the first time I've ever really thought about what I've needed. Do I need to be kind? Do I need to be patient? Do I need to be courageous today? Do I need to bring fun to it? Like, what does she what, need? Yeah. What, what does, does she, she need? need? <laughs> hmm. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And so I go to then seal that in the mirror by raising my hand and high-fiving myself again. And so what I want to explain is, is basically what you can expect when you practice this. Mm -hmm. Because I've gone on to be doing this now for over a year. I posted one photo about a couple weeks into doing it. And within an hour, more than 100 people were posting photos of themselves, high-fiving themselves from around the world. 
Mm-hmm. I have now spoken to the world's leading experts in habit research, brain science, behavior change, psychology, and everybody that I talk to is absolutely blown away by the groundbreaking research that actually explains why this why? is an extraordinary habit that will fundamentally change you. And so um, first things first, you should do it for five days. Mm-hmm. So we have, and there's a reason why, and it has nothing to do with habit research. It has to do with the fact that you're going to feel weirdness and resistance <laughs> when you first do it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to yeah. explain why. But there's a five-day free challenge where I walk you through it if you go to highfivechallenge.com. It's super easy, super fun. We've got 100,000 people in it already. And you're going to get coaching and tools in the community you need. So get to High Five Challenge. It's free. And let me support you. Mm -hmm. But let me explain what you're going to feel. Yeah, yep, yep. So when you first do this, it's going to feel weird. And the reason why it's going to feel weird can, can be explained by neuroscience. You see, your brain loves patterns, and right now you have a pattern of criticizing or rejecting or ignoring yourself. Right. And so high-fiving is the opposite of that. And so it's a new pattern. So just like I write with my right hand, there's no weirdness about that because I've been doing it forever. It's a pattern. Mm -hmm. If I were to lose my arm in an accident today and I have to now write with my left hand, it would feel very weird. Yeah. Yep. I could do it. But I got to just keep pushing through the weirdness until the pathways get developed. And then it's second nature. So expect it to be weird because it's new. Second thing you're going to experience is there's only one of two reactions the first time you do it. That's it. (laughs) You're either going to have a very positive one. So you will either go to high five yourself and you start laughing out loud or you'll cry. Mm. And you'll cry as a sense of release because you will realize how long you have withheld this support from yourself Mm -hmm. and how much you've yearned for it. But the more likely reaction is negative. You're going to resist this. You're gonna be cynical, you're gonna scoff at it, you're going to feel uncomfortable, and I need to unpack this because this is really sad. Every morning when you stand in front of the mirror, you drag your entire past with you. Mm-hmm. Every abuse, every trauma, every rejection, all the neglect, the abandonment, the heartbreak, all of it, you see it all as evidence that you're damaged or unlovable or not good enough. And that makes you see a person that doesn't deserve a high five mm-hmm. because of what you've survived. Or if you're human, you've done some pretty awful stuff, whether it's cheating or drinking or lying or not living up to your potential or giving up or hurting people, all the stuff that we all do when we're just trying to survive. Yeah. Stuff that, by the way, you would forgive Kendra or Mel for. Right. But you drag it with you. It stands in between you and the person in the mirror and you refuse to forgive yourself. You actually use that as evidence to say, I'm a bad person. My husband, for example, when the restaurants finally closed after seven years of trying to make it work, his business partner was able to just reframe it and say, hey, that's entrepreneurship. We, I'm proud of what we did. Wow. My husband, on the other hand, it's been seven years of him standing in front of a mirror saying, I'm a failure. Wow. Because that failed. And seeing a person that doesn't deserve celebration because of that. 
And so, you know, we easily forgive everybody else, but we wear the shame and the, the regret around our own necks. And so you see a person and all the stuff that you refuse to forgive yourself or be compassionate with yourself. Or let's talk about the success crowd. We're all overachievers. We're all trying to prove based on the bank account or the number of speeches or the car that we drive or the thing that we do or the bestseller list, that that means that we are worthy of celebration. Mm -hmm. It's all the stuff on the outside that until I have the number on the scale, until I have the, the money in the bank, until I drive the Range Rover, until I do that thing, I don't deserve a high five. And the fact of the matter is what I'm here to prove to everybody is that if you can drag yourself out of bed and stand before the mirror, despite everything you've survived and everywhere that you are and everywhere that you're not and still show up and try to do a little bit better today, you not only need a high five, you've earned one. Yeah. Just for existing. Yep. And we've got all of this motivation and success stuff backwards. We think it's something you earn when really you need to give yourself the encouragement, support, and celebration every step of the way. Yeah. It's the most motivating force on the planet. It's the only way to keep going. You know, like yes. I, I, I think about we'll, we'll stand at the last couple miles of the New York City Marathon and, and like it's my it's my favorite day of the year to say, yeah. you look strong. You've done so much. Look at you go. Like to be able to give that to someone and you can visibly see them needing it in yes. that moment and you can watch them, their shoulders lift up and their pace quicken a little bit or the smile or sometimes they don't smile because I mean, I don't blame it. They're at the end of the New York City Marathon, but but why wouldn't? We need that. Because we're not trained to. We do need it. We're not trained to do it. And so here's what I want you to know. Here's the good news. Okay. And this is why you need to do it, even though you think it's stupid and you're going to resist it and you see somebody that doesn't deserve it. You need to do it because your brain and your nervous system are actually wired to do all of the reprogramming without you doing anything but raising your hand. And let me explain why. So when you go to raise your hand, this gesture, the high five, mm-hmm. it's already programmed into your mind. So when you give somebody, when you give a runner yeah. at mile 23 a high five, what are you saying to them, Kendra? You, you, you keep going. You've come this far. I'm cheering for you. you you've got this. All of it. All of it. You're saying exactly. everything. I see exactly. you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. All of that's in your subconscious, mm. programmed with a high five. Mm-hmm. So even if you feel like you're a failure, the moment you go to raise your hand, you can't think off you're a failure. You can't yeah, think it. Right. It silences all the judgment because your brain is wired to believe, I believe in you. I see you. I got this. Keep going. I'm cheering for you. Mm-hmm. That's what gets wired with your reflection without you saying a word. And we over... On top of it. I'm yeah. not even done yet. Wait to hear this. I know. I know. I'm, th- I'm just like... It's, I can it see is, your head exploding. It is. It I is exploding. Well, because because we... we And even... And especially... It's, a, it's, it's like, uh, oh, you've got to... You have to do self-care. And we've heard celebrate yourself. And then... And we don't do it because it seems so complicated. And it seems like it's counterproductive because if I take all this time out and the thought that just like high-fiving myself is really... It's, it reminds me of like door clicking her heels. Like it's really that easy. I just can't. It really is. It really yep, is. Yep. Yep. And I'll yep. tell you why it's that easy. It's the science. Mm-hmm. So you're, you don't have to think anything because my husband can't stand in front of a mirror and go, I'm awesome. 
because right. his brain doesn't believe it. Right. But he right. can raise his hand and go, it's been hard and I see you and I'm still cheering for you and you should keep going. You deserve to. Yeah. That's what that high five says. It says all of it. Now, on top of it, I was talking to Dr. Daniel Amen a couple of weeks ago. Mm. This isn't even in the book. And he said to me, do you know why this works? And I'm like, no, tell me. And he says, he validated all the stuff I'm talking about with uh, the subconscious program. And then he said, and on top of it, Mel, every time somebody else gives you a high five, your brain gives you a drip of dopamine, the feel-good chemical. Mm. You get the same thing when you do it to yourself. That's why you feel your mood lighten. That's why you feel a little bit more energized and confident when you do it. You're sending yourself into the game. How does the NBA team start a game? With a high five to send them into the game. That's how you mm. should start your day. Second thing, your nervous system gets involved because whenever you wave your hand hello and raise your hand, it's celebration. When you raise your arms to hug somebody, it's celebration. When you raise your hands when you cross that finish line, it's celebration. Yeah. When you raise your hand to high five somebody, it's celebration. Mm. When you do that for yourself every day in the mirror, your nervous system gives you a little bit of a jolt, mm. little energy, because it recognizes the celebration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Isn't this insane? No, it is insane. It's insane. And in additionally, I've been, so I'm picturing, I'm, and I'm sure everybody else is, like I'm picturing tomorrow morning and I'm picturing waking up. And, and of course, there is something so satisfying and every mother will tell you this about locking the bathroom door. There's something about the <laughs> sound that the lock makes. I don't know. I mean, my my kids are still at home at any moment. They're just like they. We don't do that because our kids are then like, "Are you guys having sex so in the bathroom?" Like, oh in the God, bathroom. Yes. No, no, like, no. Just we're trying to keep the dog out. Okay. Mine, mine doesn't. They don't know what that is yet. So just don't don't tell them quite well. Actually, no. It's time to tell them. That's that's a different that's a different subject. But the satisfaction of locking the door and every. Every time I do that, I'm just like, ah. Oh. And now I think about the like protection and safety I feel by locking the bathroom door combined with just touching the mirror, high-fiving the mirror. And I can already tell, Mel, I'm going to be honest, it's going to be awkward. I think the first few mornings I'm just going to stand and look in the mirror and be like, I can't do it. Uh, I will let you know the day that I, I do. I think just, you can. Because what I want you to do is not see the body. I want you to see the soul. Uh, yep. And I want you to look at the human being and think, how do I need to show up for her today? What does she need? Yes. That'll bring it home. That's it. And then That's send it. yourself into the day with that high five to prove that you're going to encourage, support, and celebrate yourself today. You're going to send yourself into the game of life knowing that you have your own back. That's what you're saying. And we need that now more than ever. We do. Oh, Mel, this has just been, uh, I mean, they can't see my mind being blown, but you can, like the number of times I've touched my temple and like motion. You have a lot. So yes. A lot. I've, I've done noticed it. it. It's great. I've done it a lot. Mel, so the book comes out uh, September 28th. Where else can we find you. You mentioned a website. What, yeah, what's your social media? Yeah, go to highfivechallenge.com. Just go to high, H-I-G-H, the number five, challenge.com, and you can get all the support you need, all the information you need, lots of free stuff there. If you buy the book, fantastic. You're going to want it because you're going to want to highlight it and dog ear it and read it again and again and again and pass it to people you know. But if that's not something you can do, no problem. I got you covered. Yeah. Uh, we got lots of free stuff in the High Five Challenge. So just go there. 
Uh, well, Mel, this has been uh, this has been as magnificent as I knew it would be. Oh. It, more challenging than I thought it would be because now I really I know what I have to do, and and I'm surprised at like how nervous and excited I am to do it, and and that's just. That's just me. I can't even imagine all of the people who are going to be feeling the same way and coming out on the other side and having their lives be changed. So thank you so much. We will always be high-fiving you, and I can't wait to hear what stories come next. Me too. High-five, babe. Wow. What a way to end. And it's true. This is the end. Well, it's the end and also just the beginning. If you missed the announcement, this is my final episode of the Success Stories with Kendra Hall podcast. From now on, Success Stories will be hosted by Madison Piper, one of the great team members at Success Magazine. And as I move into a new and exciting phase of my career, I wanted to say a very special thank you to all of you who have been listening week after week, tuning in to these inspiring stories, sending me messages of what these interviews have meant to you, leaving reviews, and more importantly, that silent work of taking what you've learned and paying it forward, applying it to your life. And it is my hope that these stories have made your life better. I want to say a big thank you to all of my guests, to people who have become my friends and certainly through those conversations have taught me important things about myself and what success means and looks like to me. I'm moving on to, well, actually, I'm not moving anywhere, but as you probably heard, my new book, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, is launching at the beginning of the year. And I feel very strongly that all of my attention and effort needs to be directed to, I mean, much like Mel said, getting that message out into the world. Thank you so much again for tuning in for your support. And more than anything, I hope someday I get to hear your story. Until then. This has been Success Stories with Kendra Hall. If you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe, drop us a review and tell your friends. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, go to success.com slash podcasts.